from runasradio.com, you're listening to Run As Radio, the weekly internet audio talk show for IT professionals with Richard Campbell and Greg Hughes. This is Carl Franklin introducing show number 40 with guest George Morbarga, recorded Monday, December 17th, 2007. Run As Radio is produced each week by Pop Productions, offering professional media and podcasting services online at pwop.com. Hi, I'm Richard Campbell, and you're listening to Run As Radio. With me, as always, my co-host, Greg Hughes. Hi, Richard. How you doing? I'm great, man, and it's kind of fun to get back to our regular recording routine after getting a huge block of shows out of Tech Ed Barcelona. Yeah, it, it was fun to do them on the road, but uh, it, it almost feels weird to uh, to be sitting at my desk in my home office and, and doing the show again. Yeah, back to the old routine, and it's all the way into the new year. Yeah, it's, it's officially 2008, and uh, by the time this show airs, then... Uh, as few checks as I write, I'll probably still be writing 2007. <laughs> do you ever do that? Oh, absolutely. Without I mean, a doubt. I, 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 it seems to be just a just a brain thing. You, know? yeah. you, you can't switch years until you're halfway through the next one. Got to get past it. And you know, Richard, if anyone is interested and has a topic or there's something you'd like to hear us uh, talk to somebody about or discuss on Run As Radio, then drop us an email, info at runasradio.com, because your input is what really drives this show. All right, Greg, let's introduce George Morbarga. As a senior solutions architect, file area networking at Brocade, George Morbarga is responsible for assisting customers with their fan technology evaluations, design, and implementations. Prior to Brocade, George worked at Lehman Brothers as a storage architect, where he was responsible for NAS design and implementation, as well as SAN administration. Before joining Lehman Brothers, George worked at MCI WorldCom as a senior architect where he managed the European enterprise operations and was responsible for the rollout of Windows infrastructure across all of Europe. George has held IT management roles in the following additional companies, American Power Conversion, SEC Elcom, Computer Associates, and Bank Indosuez. George has earned MCSE accreditation, is a frequent speaker at international industry conferences, and has published multiple articles on file virtualization and Microsoft DFS namespace management in trade publications. Welcome, George. Hi. Thanks, guys. So this is a redo. Yeah, it's good to talk to you again. Yeah. (laughs) We all met at TechEd in Barcelona and had a great conversation about file area networking, but the gear failed us. And the recording was, well, dreadful. And so really wanted to get this, capture the story again. So here we are all together again. Yeah. It's deja vu all over again. Yeah. So we've already done our discussions of our hangovers. So we've got that out of the way. We don't need to record it. (laughs) I'm glad. (laughs) I don't know. Barcelona just has a knack for bringing out the party at anybody. (laughs) <laughs> that and the and the criminals off the streets. Oh yeah, the, boy, it was rough this year. They were really uh, worried about uh, people getting stuff being mugged and badges being stolen and bags being stolen. It was a big deal. Right. I, I got back to Portland and found out that uh, somebody I know who was there, who I didn't even notice was there. That's how big it was. Um, got his laptop stolen right off, uh, from, right off, from, actually right out from between his legs. Wow! Literally on the floor. That's amazing. So. Hope it didn't have my personal data on there. Yeah. Well, on the IT side. (laughs) 
George, we had some interesting conversations. Part of what Richard and I were doing there is we were recording some uh, some little video spots talking about interesting things that people were talking about and and presenting on, or just generally things that are happening along the same in the same timeline uh, as the Tech at IT Forum in Barcelona. And we had an opportunity to talk uh, uh, on camera about, I believe, the term you use is uh, file system virtualization. That's that's exactly right. Yeah. And so we we thought that you know that's was really a, an interesting topic. You could, we could probably talk about it for hours. But um, uh, with uh, Microsoft DFS as kind of a baseline, we had a little conversation, and I thought maybe we could take some time and try to dig into it a little bit deeper here. Absolutely. Fire away, guys. What would you like to know about DFS, or or do you want me to um, to fire off? You know, uh, for the people who maybe are not familiar with DFS, why don't we start with what what is a distributed file system? What does it mean? So if I'm if I've never heard of it before, and you're going to try to sell me on this is something that I should be using in my IT infrastructure, you know what sure. what's the pitch? Okay, so Microsoft DFS distributed file system is basically a way of aggregating physical file systems and presenting that as a logical file system to the, uh, to the end users. Um, and the main benefit of, of doing that is that it provides uh, an abstraction layer, and by doing that, it separates the users from their physical storage. Okay, so that has two main benefits. One is for the users. So for the users, they see essentially one large file system, irrespective of how it sits and how it looks on the physical service. So for them to access their storage, they use a logical naming convention to get to their data. Um, so they don't have to remember um, complex uh, machine names and share names, etc. Now, the other be- main benefit of this abstraction layer is that once you've introduced this separation, that essentially frees up the administrators so at the back end, they, they have tremendous flexibility in moving around the data at will, um, providing disaster recovery capabilities, um, storage tiering, et cetera, et cetera. So that, in a nutshell, is what DFS was designed to do. So the big thing here is abstracting the physical location from the uh, referenceable location so I can add new servers and move things around without messing up the users. They don't know anything's changed. That's exactly right. So that I would say is the uh, the big sort of business benefit in 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 doing that. Yeah. Now, this is not necessarily got anything to do with WANs, though, right? This could just be multiple servers in the same data center. Yes. So um, this, uh, as you rightly say, could could be anywhere. So this could be you know accessing your file servers in a data center, or be it at remote locations. Are we talking about just Microsoft technologies, or can we connect other technologies to the file system as well? Okay, so um, in theory, yes, you can point clients at other operating systems like NFS or the different file systems. However, the, the client needs to have the, the appropriate client redirector in order to, uh, to understand those file systems. But as far as DFS is concerned, it's just a referral mechanism. So it can refer you to, to any type of file system that, that you tell it to. So it sounds like what you're describing sounds to me like a sort of a virtual traffic cop for file systems. Yeah, so that's a, a good way of putting it, um, Greg. 
Um, or the other way of looking at it is it, uh, it provides uh, directory services. So it's, it's like a phone book. So you, you know, if you want to get to your physical file system, you do a lookup using that directory or that global namespace, as it's often called, mm-hmm. um, and then the, the client gets a referral from the directory and accesses the physical file system. Right, right. I know my friend's file. friendly name, his, his, you know, his name that I can speak by, but I don't know his telephone number, so I know the thing that I can remember. I look it up in the phone book and I get the number. You know what? That's a lot like DNS. I know a friendly name. So I ask the phone book, if you will, for the IP address. Even if I don't know I'm using an IP address, that's how I get to things on the Internet. Sounds. Is there a similarity there? That's exactly right. So you can think of DFS um, as DNS for files. Ah, okay. Now, where does Brocade fit into this whole equation? Because I've always thought of Brocade as um, uh, the fiber channel guys, uh, big on SAN. So that's right. I mean, Brocade still has that market leadership in, in that space. However, in talking to some of their big customers um, a couple of years ago, they, they found out that there's a lot of pain in managing unstructured data. And through acquisitions and internal developments, they then um, diversified into the um, data management area, specifically in the um, unstructured um, Fall, fall world. Yeah, I know in the in the limited, you know, well, somewhat limited uh, experience that I've had personally in doing DFS, that uh, DFS is cool. The the difficult part for me has always been the actual, the more the maintenance of it. You once you set it up, you know, it's pretty good to go. But it's more the maintenance and the the care and feeding, if you will. I think that that really ends up costing. So that's exactly right, Greg, um, and we often um, get asked this question by, by our prospects or customers because um, you know, DFS is provided free of charge, uh, and, and that's one of the main attractions of, of DFS. And, and the other big attraction of DFS is that you have it inbuilt. It's, it's inherent in all the client and, um, and the server operating systems that, that Microsoft offers, and it has been since, since 1996. However, um, what Microsoft don't give you is, is the ability to, to manage that um, virtual layer, that DFS layer, um, at an enterprise level. And that's where Brocade come in and um, add, um, add a lot of value. So this is primarily a set of tools for making it a lot easier to manage large-scale distributed file systems? That's, um, that's, that's correct. So, you know, because once you introduce this extra um, uh, virtual layer in your, in your environment, um, potentially you can add more complexity because now you've got another layer that you have to, first of all, um, populate. Then on an on- ongoing basis, you need to manage it. You need to, you need to care for it. Otherwise, what happens is your virtual layer can, can become um, completely out of sync with your physical file system. Um, also, there are questions around um, the uh, ability to audit this virtual layer. So if someone comes and makes a change, which potentially can be um, disastrous, you want to have the ability to, to audit that. Um, the other uh, question to think about is uh, protecting that layer. So if that layer goes away, um, how, can you, how can you restore that? Uh, one thing we've, we've seen with you know, some customers is that someone either accidentally or maliciously has, has got rid of that, that DFS layer. Now, that quickly propagates through AD to other servers, 
which means that you know in an instance everyone loses um, their ability to to access their their files now so it becomes absolutely critical that you can restore that as quickly as possible because at, at, at that moment productivity around those files is just stopped so being able to get it back fairly it's got to be a terrible thing to watch an active directory propagation of the deletion of a namespace um, exactly and because you forced um, all your users to go through this global namespace um, you you have all your eggs in one basket if you like um, so it becomes even more critical to um, to provide the kind of resilience you know, at an enterprise level that uh, that this thing deserves. And the point being, the data is still out there. It's just that your method of getting to it has disappeared. Exactly right. So the other um, key business driver is, you know, if I have a user who's lost some data uh, maybe a month ago um, and, you know, rings up the administrator and says, um, I've lost my marketing folder. Now, this marketing folder is only a logical folder. It's not the physical share right so and in doing that that user is not giving enough information to the administrator to go and uh, maybe you know pull out a tape and do a physical restore now you need to have the ability to to go back in time to say a month ago and find out exactly what this marketing logical folder um, pointed to so you can get the um, the right tape and um, and restore the user's data well, and also I got to imagine that sometimes the folder missing is simply this uh, uh, DFS failure. The data is there. It's just that it got relinked in the wrong way and it's no longer pointing to some files that he's expecting. That's right. So you can also end up in situations where, um, you know, the, the virtual layer, the DFS layer becomes out of sync with, with reality, the, the physical file system. Right. So it could be either that you've, you've deleted stuff from the physical file system but you haven't removed it from your DFS, which means that you know, the, the user still sees it but can't access it, or vice versa. So you've introduced new share, it's a physical share, but you haven't created the, the pointer in DFS. So again, on a, on a large scale, you know, it would be nice if all of these could be automated by, by some tool, and that's where you know, blockades um, tools come into play. You know, one of the things that I've heard... Um I've heard a, a term that I've heard Brocade use before is file area network or FAN. How, how does this uh, fit into the to the file area network uh, concept, if you will? Okay, so FAN um, is not a product. Um, FAN is a a reference architecture, if you will, um, designed to um, to manage um, file data, um, specifically unstructured file data. Um, on an enterprise level. Now, the, the cornerstone of a file area network is this namespace or virtualization layer. Okay. Um, and so in our case, we obviously heavily leverage Microsoft's DFS um, for, for the you know, reasons I mentioned. But it's not just that virtual layer. It's, it's about then adding more intelligence into that layer um, to then um, manage your your unstructured files in a in a smarter way. Okay, so it's just a reference architecture. Um, so yeah, very much like SAN. Um, so this is very analogous to um, to a SAN. Gotcha. Okay. 
Generally, when we think of SANS, we tend to think of stuff like SQL Server or other major applications in our enterprise that need large blocks of storage that can be readily modified. It strikes me that the the good old-fashioned file server needs that same sort of capability. Um, exactly right. So you need the same kind of management um, capability, the same kind of flexibility, because if you um, if you look at the the, the stats, this kind of data is, is growing at a tremendous rate and it's really growing out of control. So, you know, and, and the band-aid approach um, up to now has been, okay, if I run out of a file um, server, if I, if I run out of space on my file server, you know, the, the easiest option is to maybe introduce another another server or another volume, but that doesn't address the, uh, the root cause of the problem. Um, and, and, and in doing that, you you are impacting the user because you have to you know, remap users to the new volume or to the new server. You know, you you, you don't have that flexibility to uh, to seamlessly do stuff at the back end. Right. Yeah, users really don't care about adding additional disk space. They just want it to happen. They want to be able to write their files and get them back. That's right. Or another business use um, would be if you've got one volume, so you've you've kept adding disks more and more, and, and it seems to be quite easy to do that these days. Now, suddenly you're going to have um, a lot of backup problems because you know, you're know you extending your backup windows, or if that volume fails, that's going to impact your restore times. So as an administrator, what I want to do is perhaps you know, chop that volume up into five different pieces and move them elsewhere. But you know, with the current method, you know, in the absence of a, of a virtual layer, I can't do that easily without impacting users. But if I had that this um, yeah, this DFS layer in place, I could very easily just pick up you know the marketing folder and um, move it elsewhere. Just retarget my users to access it somewhere else without them ever realizing it. It also lends itself to an easy set of redundant uh, servers, so that if one does fail, you can switch over to the other one. Um, so that's right. Yeah. So if you've got your data set. Um, there are um, policies called the R policies um, in the product that let you, um, first of all, replicate the data to another another system. Um, and, 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 and we're talking about heterogeneous um, platforms here. So you can go from, um, you know, a, a Windows server to a NAS appliance or vice versa, as long as they talk the same language, i.e. SIFS to SIFS or, or NFS to NFS. Right. So once you've replicated the data... Um, a single logical folder could potentially point to, to two or multiple physical servers. So as you said, in, in the event that one goes down, um, the user, without you know, getting any error messages, etc., will automatically be redirected to the, um, to the replicated partner. That's that's pretty cool. I, I seamless is always good. So, uh, what about the wide area network issues? What about branch offices? How do they fit into the equation? So, yeah, there's a, there's a lot of um, issues around managing data that sits out at the branches. Um, and if you look at the stats again, um, you know, some estimates say that up to eighty percent of unstructured data actually sits outside of the data center. So one thing you could do with um, with the, the set of tools offered by Brocade is to replicate that data back to the data center 
costs and, and which enables you to have a centralized backup strategy. And in doing that, that also gives you the ability um, to, um, to make that data more resilient. So because you've got a copy um, and with the use of the DR policies, you know, if, if, the, if the remote server fails, instead of them having to wait for, for an engineer to fly out there with a, with a new box, um, they just get redirected to, to the center which then buys time for the admin guys to, to fly out. And uh, yeah, obviously the users are going to experience a performance impact because they're now fetching files over the WAN instead of the local file server, but at least they've still got their files and they can get to them. Exactly right. Yeah. And you've, and you've solved the backup problem because now you can eliminate all the backup infrastructure from the, from the edges. Well, and let's face it, I've never, visited a branch office that had a tape backup system that was actually working. Precisely. There may be yeah. people rotating tapes, but there was no data on the tapes. Yeah, that, or, I can't you tell know. you how many times I've seen the same thing. Oh, man. It's just, it's incredible. I mean, branch offices are branch offices. They're, the server's sitting under a desk or it's sitting in a in, in a, uh, a broom closet somewhere, and it's, it yeah. just suffers from terrible neglect. That's right. With uh, typically unskilled IT staff, um, having the responsibility to, to change tapes. And uh, as we know, uh, that doesn't always happen correctly, right? Well, and yeah. And you never find that out until it, the system fails. So I'm all for eliminating infrastructure in the branch offices as much as possible. I, I'm okay putting a server there, but I, I hate having tape subsystems out there. What, what about the difficulties of managing multiple namespaces across multiple locations? Uh, do you have any tools or is there anything you're doing to help ease the burden of managing that? Um, sure. So the, um, the the DFS namespace offered by, by Microsoft um, really gives you the, the basic tools to be able to, um, to, uh, to abstract the, um, the users from, from the file systems. So that's all well and good, um, but it lacks the, uh, the enterprise management capabilities, like, for example, auditing, um, like um, providing a point-in-time snapshot, so backup copies that you can keep for a while um, of, of the namespace, um, uh, different policies in order to, to manage it, i.e. To, to, first of all, create that namespace in the first place, and then um, on an ongoing basis, keep that namespace in sync with the, with the real file system. So these are all the abilities that... Um, that you get from the Brocade product, um, the, the tool sets uh, that are essentially missing in the in, in Microsoft's um, uh, OS, or not missing, but very difficult to configure. Um, I mean, you know, you, you would have to be a, a script wizard to to do some of this stuff. And I guess it's an interesting point here that fundamentally everything's there in distributed file system uh, from Microsoft. It's just it's a free product and it's gotten as much love as most free products get. It just doesn't have a lot of easy management tools around it. Exactly right. So, I mean, it gives you the, the, the nuts and bolts um, and, you know, we don't do anything to, to change that or, or improve that because Microsoft have done that um, already. Um, so we, we rely on that, we leverage it, but we just sit on top of that and add um, a, a management overlay. So, you know, some people call it DFS on steroids. That's one way to describe it. George, we've got a couple minutes left. Is there something else you'd like to like to hit on? Um, so, yeah, I mean, one last point, I guess, to, to wrap up, I would say that um, 
it's it's great to be able to add this abstraction layer, um, you know, frees up the administrator, provides a nice logical interface to the users. But I would not do this without having the the real sort of enterprise tools to do it with, because if you do, um, then you can uh, you can really get burnt. I can just imagine that the cost of having to manage the unforeseen difficulties could be could be very large. Yeah, and you know the, the other way to think about it is that you've introduced another level of complexity in your environment. Right. I got to think that one of the biggest challenges to managing DFS is actually detecting problems. You know, the the user calls in and they usually give you almost no information. All I can't find my files. Find my files for me, and you've got to figure out. Were they using a namespace? What namespace was it? What's, uh, you know, am I dealing with files actually missing versus uh, there's a problem with the mapping and, and so on? Like, it's just, or maybe there's a remote server down and that service disappeared. It wasn't backed up. Like, there's so many pieces now involved in trying to get from that bare bit of information from the user of, I can't find this file all the way through to this is what's actually broken. Yeah, that's a very good point. Um, there, Richard, because DFS, um, you know, doesn't really give you the ability to, you know, for the administrator to find out all the dependencies uh, between the logical and the physical layers. So, you know, if you're thinking of, um, say, decommissioning a, a server, you know, what you want to do is very quickly find out how many points in your namespace refer to that physical server. Right. So, so you know, who are you going to impact? And, and that's not something you can do very easily in, uh, you know, using the, the, the native tools. Well, just being able to say, I want to add a new server and move this chunk of existing data over here. What namespaces do I need to update? Exactly right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, with these tools, for example, if I'm doing a server migration or consolidation, um, you know, once I collapse the server, all my um, data, first of all, gets moved through the, the migration policies that, uh, that that we offer. So the data movement happens using um, our, um, our proprietary replication engine. Um, and once that happens, then we go through the whole namespace, all namespaces, we pick up all the pointers that, that used to point to the old server, we update them um, and, and retarget them to, to point to the new system. So again, you know, there's, there's lots of things that are um, you know, very essential once you've added this virtual layer uh, that, that you absolutely can't do with the, with the native tools or are very, very difficult to do. So what, so what is the, uh, the, the product name, if you will, that Brocade puts around this, this suite of tools that you're talking about? So the, um, the flagship product in the, in the fan or file portfolio is called StorageX. Okay. Um, now, you know, this is really a, a suite of applications because... You can you can think of it as a as a file virtualization engine. You can think of it as a, as a migration tool, replication tool, DR tool, um, you know, on and on and on. Um, now, so that's that's the biggie. Um, but there are other products in the in the family that do um, other things. But really, today's discussion, I think, has. Uh, um, you know, what I've told you about has revolved around um, StorageX. Uh, any idea on pricing? What does it cost to get StorageX? So uh, that you would have to ask our salespeople. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. You don't sell it. You just explain it to people. Exactly right. Yeah. 
All right, so the site is brocade.com and the product is Storage X. We've been talking distributed file systems with George Mobarga. Any final words, George, before we wrap up? No, thanks very much for, uh, for your time. And um, hope you can uh, get to the Run As Radio site and, um, and have a listen. Thank you. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, George. And we'll talk to you next week on Run As Radio. <laughs> <laughs>